widely agreed to be in two parts. The first four chapters sees Paul explaining the gospel, that is, the revelation and teachings of Christ, with chapter five and six going on to tell them how to apply this to their walk. Earlier in chapter one, Paul couldn't have enthused more about God's love for us, highlighting that it is through that it is through grace and grace only that we have been saved, rescued from death and sin through the blood of Jesus. Also that we have been chosen to belong to him, not in some random fashion, but in a predestined plan for each and every one of us. This plan is God's domain. His will and purpose is the drive that brings us to him. So what bigger motivation might we need to pray to our God? When we first believed, we received the promised Holy Spirit to be with us always. We are holy and blessed. Say it to yourself now, I am holy and blessed. What's more, this blessing doesn't grow stale or wither away because the Holy Spirit renews us daily to overflowing even. Before we look at the prayer in chapter three, I'd like to carry on with the, uh, looking at verse one a little bit. Um, was Paul's thanksgiving prayer for the Ephesians, which is in chapter one and from 15 on, verse 15 onwards. He asks that our Father God gives a spirit of wisdom and revelation, along with enlightenment and hope, he also prays for us to know the riches of his glorious inheritance and incomparably great power to his believers. The same power, by the way, that was the authority to raise Christ from the dead and seat him at God's right hand. These spiritual blessings are a fundamental part of growth for our spiritual maturity. In our walk with Jesus, we find we love him more and more. We recognize his unending love, love for us as the single most valuable aspect of our lives. The more we have of Jesus, the more we want. These blessings are what Paul is praying for us to receive. So we're gonna use these listed gifts to guide our uh, prayer groups later in the service. <clears throat> There's no reason Paul's prayer in chapter 3 is, is only for the Ephesians. It could also be for me and you. We've enjoyed our month of prayer through September, which may have motivated us to pray more regularly with a revitalised and more focused attitude. If this is you, then this prayer will definitely help and direct your approach. I think um, David Lucas's daily prayers on, on the WhatsApp group, for those who are on it, were, were, were brilliant, they were splendid. There were a couple that really got to me and were very helpful. I read and read um, Paul's prayer and it occurred to me that these six or so sentences seem to be one long sentence. 
politely and helpfully punctuated so that anyone reading it aloud could draw breath. I felt that Paul wanted to convey the depth of importance of a right attitude while praying, well of course, but I also felt Paul wanted to cram specific details into a relatively short prayer, as if to say these aspects are crucial for you to have an effective and meaningful experience while praying. As a new Christian, and therefore new to prayer, I found it useful to employ the thank you, sorry, please format while praying to prevent me getting stuck in the please zone. Sometimes it's also easy to overlook the sorry and thank you part of my time with the Lord. Much like a child, I guess. The fundamentals of riches, power, strength, God's love and experiencing the fullness of, of God have taken time and spiritual growth for me to consciously appreciate. These aspects serve to enrich prayer times and take on a more spiritually satisfying experience. I hope your prayer times can benefit from Paul's insightful and uplifting details. So, to the prayer, it begins. <clears throat> For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So, is this, is this the easy bit? Be submissive to God as you pray. Ask yourself this. Is there anything or anyone who warrants such submission? No. So readily give him your devotion, your love, all the while examining your motives and asking yourself if you are pursuing God's way or your way. I do hope I'm not alone when I admit to including such phrases <clears throat> as Lord. If you could just do this or sort this for me, I could be a better Christian. Or, I'm doing my very best, but things aren't going my way. Please make things go my way. I kneel in the very presence of God and constantly try to resist thinking, sometimes successfully, that I can do it by my own strength. In the next verse 16, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Glorious riches is such a brief but absolute description of the abundance and quality of the strength bestowed on us via the Holy Spirit. This measure of power is truly the key to what it means to know and have confidence in our spiritual inner strength. Again, these words are underlining the instruction to rely on the Lord with his strength within us and not our feeble attempts of managing our life in our own strength. 
the next verse, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell is such an apt word. It doesn't suggest we tap into Christ as and when we're out of options, but for his spirit to reside in us permanently. This is the firm foundation that faith affords us. The prayer calls for us to be rooted and established in love, in Christ, further highlighting the permanence and solid grounding that without it, our inner being would be subject to crumbling or collapse, as told in the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And the house on the sand fell flat. It by no means suggests that our lives will be free from struggle or pain, but rather the trials and tribulations that beset us can never defeat us. Our faith, however small, sees the undefeatable Christ in our heart, giving us a strength that is not of our making. Verse 18 contains perhaps my favourite description of God's love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people, grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There's no limit in measuring the width, length, height and depth of Christ's love. Christ is the very meaning of love. He's the very centre of it. By extension, Jesus in us, through us and with us, means we're in the centre of his love. Did you notice the word together? Praying together in unity garners power to fully experience the vastness of his love for us. We share the wonder of answered prayers as a reflection of this. We experience peace from the very action of praying to our Father. I went to two prayer evenings in September and there was such a wonderful feeling of oneness as we prayed. Actually, I went to three meetings. The third was on Friday, being the Be Youth Prayer Evening. Mies came along too. We had the six prayer stations based on our values. Celebrate, live, share. And there was an activity on each. It was one of the most, if not the most, peaceful evenings with Be Youth. It was very serene. Incidentally, during that time, one of our older youth members, who we haven't seen for some time, turned up with two um, slightly dodgy-looking mates. Um, they'd been caught in the rain and were looking for shelter and warmth, so they came here. I didn't want to turn them away, but I didn't want to let them in the halls. So I chatted with them in the entrance hall. 
There was one lad there who was full of bravado and bragging about how much trouble he got into. Um, and we chatted for a while, but it was all full of this. It was all a bit too much testosterone, maybe. I don't know. And then Mies joined us, and she clearly intrigued them. And a calmer, more pleasant chat ensued with them initially uh, thinking that Mies was Irish, which is so funny. <laughs> it was a, anyway, it lifted the, lifted the tension, anyway. Anyhow, it ended with the bragger asking us to pray for him. So we did. I wonder if that's Jesus tapping at his door. Let's pray that it was. <clears throat> I often eat alone and I find that when I eat with family or friends, the meal is more enjoyable. It strikes me that praying together gives a certain richness to the experience. We hear others praying in different styles or approaches that enrich our communion with our Father. Those of us with children could perhaps remember those times when they'd ask how much we love them. I'd try various ways to answer my son, like to the moon and back, or ten times a gazillion. And when he was a bit older, I'd say, every bit of me loves every bit of you. To say that about me and God seems a much bigger deal, though. Personally, I picture it as a vast, all-encompassing, limitless sphere. But you may have different ways of appreciating it. Appreciate it, we must. Going on to verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Colossians 1.19 says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And in John 1.16, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. In 1874, Charles Spurgeon said this, that which God could not bring to us directly by reason of our inability to receive it, he has now brought to us through a mediator by placing it in the man, Christ Jesus, that we, coming to him, may freely receive of it. The next step in the plan of salvation is this, that after the fullness of God has come to man in the person of his Son, everyone that cometh to him by faith receives of his grace. Salvation is not what you bring to Christ, but what you take from him. You are to be receivers first, and then, by and by, through the power of grace, you shall give forth from yourselves rivers of living water to others. In your first coming, you come empty, having nothing but your sin and misery. As empty, undeserving sinners, you receive of his fullness 
and all your life long continue to do the same. The grace already given is not the climax or the conclusion. You go on receiving more and more. Grace increases your capacity for grace. And that enlarged capacity becomes filled. And so the fullness of God comes into you till you are filled with it. And you rise from grace to glory, being made like unto God and fitted to dwell where he is forever and ever. That is what we pray for, isn't it? This is what Paul is praying for the Ephesians and us to know by going beyond what we class as knowledge and receive just exactly what God intends for us. Grace and more grace that leads to glory. We most certainly need it. We therefore can be assured of true and lasting satisfaction. Not only that, but produce rivers of living water to others. Be blessed to be a blessing. Coming into land now in verse 20. Now to him is who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This prayer ending could easily be the opening to our prayers. We do well to remind ourselves before we bow our heads to have total confidence in the prayers we lift to God and embrace that confidence in all that we are and all we do and do it with Jesus at the helm. We are sure he hears our prayers of praise and supplication. Occasionally, we're reminded that while he hears our prayers, he may not answer them in the way or timing we expect. However, his power is at work within us. Hallelujah. This power converts all sorts of weakness of spirit that we all carry into strengths. We may pray for another person's ailments to be healed, yet find the issue that needs to be dealt with is our lack of patience and understanding. We may pray for a job promotion, yet find we need to appreciate the fact we have a job in the first place. His power at work in us converts pride into humility, judgment into acceptance, anxiety into peace, anger into joy, and so on. Self-examination can be tough sometimes, but through prayer and meditation, our submission to God's will has a certain prospect of bringing out a more fulfilled and complete self. If self-examination isn't your thing, then ask a trusted and close Christian friend to pray for you. As followers of Christ, we seek to be more and more like him on a daily basis. 
Paul's prayer is essentially asking for us to be built up and strengthened in that endeavour. He's encouraging us to pray more attention to his pure and sinless self rather than our flawed and wretched self. God states, verse 20 states, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So maybe it's pointless to try and imagine or put our own limits of understanding on what we ask God for. Let him surprise you. The power of God through Christ and therefore those in Christ is something we're assured of. Let's not be lukewarm in our prayers, but confident and bold that in Christ we can ask him to do great things for, in and through us. To summarise, pray submissively since God's way is so much more superior than our feeble way. Pray intentionally and with faith in the power of his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Pray boldly, knowing you're rooted and established in his immeasurable love. Pray expectantly to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God to receive grace and more grace. And pray together for his glory that we never underestimate his greatness and always acknowledge his kingship over us, his people. Amen.